0: We are CEOs, executives, educators, and professionals from all sectors of society who support the global expansion of betterment in the world through JOY and joyly. I'm your host, Cheryl Lynn, founder of the Chair of JOY Experience. Together, we have developed the World Council of JOY, and our council invites CEOs and innovators from impactful organizations to the JOYLY podcast. We showcase how generous, bold, and fully engaged they are in their work, and what a culture of joy is to them. Good day, everyone. This is Sherilyn with uh Roger is with us today, and I am in the Joyly Live Studio broadcast, and we are coming to you together today with another amazing show with CEOs who have lived it, breathed it, increased sales, who have Increase productivity who really know the ins and outs of what it is to be a ceo and how to do it joyfully so i have a bunch of questions for dan we're going to get into that in just a minute but before we do dan if you could give a little bit about um your background the 13 percent and the secret sauce i would really appreciate it and then i've got so many questions for you on the other side welcome dan proser
1: thank you i'll uh, i'll move really fast the uh So I'm I'm an entrepreneur, obviously. I've built three businesses. i sold them Uh, during the time that I sold them and I had to stay involved with my last business sale. uh, I I received uh, the surveys of best place to work companies and it was out of that those surveys that I began to uh, look at the different ways in which companies operated that became best places to work. And it was interesting when I went to a luncheon giving the awards, I looked at the guy next to me and I said, I don't think these people really know why their best places to work, even though they were standing at the podium saying all these accolades for their companies. But it, So I wrote the book, 13ers. Um, I'll, I'll just hold it up real quick. Uh, 13ers, uh, the subtitle is Why Only 13% of Companies Successfully Execute Their Strategy and How Yours Can Be One of Them. Uh, The the secret sauce to it is that what was going on in these businesses was they were building connectedness. What they were were doing is they were building a relational value system within the organization. And it became clear to me in, in the work that I was doing, even extracurricular work that I was doing after selling my last two businesses. that. Uh, these companies were operating differently, and they had a different kind of relationship with their people. But the majority of companies really have failed to understand that uh, there's been, you know, it's been hierarchical management uh, that dominates the culture and business, typically, uh, or the from the perspective of the leader of the company or the bosses within the company, no, they know what is needed, and they don't they don't ask people to participate in the creation of what it is that they want which is to grow rapidly and so uh, a lot of the people that I've worked with have had tremendous uh, increases 60 percent in five months, uh, placement on the Inc 5000, uh, fastest growing companies and best places to work so uh, teaching people how to create that connectedness through a strategy process through a strategic process that uncovers the disconnectedness within an organization that causes companies to struggle and fail and that's 87% of companies that, easy math, 87% of companies fail to execute their strategy every year and that's that's a problem, that's a, that's a pandemic, right? Uh, so it's been really an interesting process because it was out of the surveys that I got and the interviews I made with Best place to work companies and non-best place to work companies. I discovered, hey, these companies are very different. They're not even close. And uh, some, and these companies that are best places to work, they just they think they're having a good time. That it's the fun in the business. It's not. So,
0: I appreciate I appreciate that very much. And congratulations on your breadth of work. Yeah. I think recognizing and understanding what you're doing is beyond most people that I talk to. So thank you for diving in and really understanding it. And, and for the book, I am, I'm here out of a hundred people, let's say that you talk to a hundred CEOs, how many, I mean, I know that everyone wants to grow rapidly and they want this connectedness, but out of a hundred, would you say, how many would you say actually invite this change, this rapid growth uh, scenario: How many actually are ready and willing to bring it in? Money is, right? I know money is an issue, but what's the willingness for that?
1: Well, that's really a good question because uh, I do run into that a lot, especially uh, people I communicate with on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, for example, I get a lot. I, I offer my book free on on my LinkedIn account, and it's. Uh, I would say it's probably about 80% of people are not, not cluing into the fact that they are the problem. It all starts at the top, and it's not like they're bad people or they're, you know, if they're a problem. It's just they don't understand what it is that motivates employees in the, in the workplace, and how do you create a workplace that's not uh, transactional, but it's relational, and that is the key. That is that is the secret sauce to a company, you know? And, and the big thing, and the really big thing is it has to do with the CEO. Uh, the big, the number one, uh, what I call the connection points in my book, the number one connection point is that CEOs don't allow everyone to contribute to the strategy of the organization. There's a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of talent within organizations. And unfortunately, it's not tapped into because what would it look like to a ceo who's built a business and then he's going to ask other people to to come in and and talk about the company and what the company needs so there's this knowing factor there's this paradigm of knowing and this is the way we do it around here that really is what what drives companies uh is is the mindset of ceo so i like working with the ceo first and then i like working with the team and I love entrepreneurs because they're they're green, they haven't been, you know, spoiled in, in, in their mindset. And it it takes something, it takes vulnerability, you know, to uh, to really be willing and able to open yourself up to other people contributing. So I call that being contributable, which isn't really a term, but it's my, my
0: I love that. I love that. I love that. I'm, I am I appreciate that you took a minute to, to kind of back up and say that 80% of the CEOs not necessarily aren't willing, but are, are, aren't hearing just yet. They're not aware that this is really their issue. It's something that they could bring in. My next question, um, Dan, is when you do come in, um, what is the th- because I talk a lot about neuroscience and how to actually develop a whole new language from yeah. you know, from what's not working to what is working, from yeah. what's broken to joyful. How long does it take to get into the psyche? And I know I'm asking blanket terms, but generally no. speaking, using no, your strategy, good. how long is it before some, you start to see a like, ah, like a light
1: bulb moment? Okay, so if you like the neuro aspect, you're gonna like my answer. Okay, so within organizations, there's what is called a hidden context. Okay, that's a term. You can Google it, I'm sure it'll come up. But there's this hidden conversation that runs throughout conversation throughout organizations, any organization. Every human being has this hidden context. It's a conversation that runs in the background. And instead of having a, calling it a mindset, which it is, and and neurologically, what we're looking at is a conversation that undermines and sabotages performance because it's limiting and it's negative. And it looks like a conversation people uh, derive from the actions and the attitudes and the mindsets of the leadership. And so people say, you know, we can't make a difference around here. We can't make a difference uh, with the people that that are employing us. And so when I, the first thing I do when I go in, and this is, this is where I think many people who do advisory uh, are not uh, they're failing to to take this one step and it's finding out what is the behavior of the people within the organization that causes them to not fulfill on what is important to, to the organization. And it's this behavior that when people are confronted by it and can see it in themselves, they begin to see this conversation. So for example, uh, when I started looking at this, um, it was because I had this conversation. You know, I was, I sold my business, I was going out and talking to people about what I wanted to do and I remember walking down the street after a meeting in downtown Houston and I heard myself say, no one wants what I have to offer. I said it to myself in my head. I said, and the light bulb went off. Holy cow. What if if I had the attitude that nobody wants what I have to offer? I wouldn't pick up the phone. I wouldn't go meet people. It's limiting and it's what actually undermines and sabotages people within organizations. So you've got to get that addressed in the beginning and you have to create a new place to stand. So you have to create a new meme or a new get context for the organization that empowers people. You know, bosses can't empower people. Only people can empower people. And when you involve everybody in that organization in understanding what's holding them back, the conversation that's holding them back, because business is just a conversation. It's a network of conversations. And just like the neural network in your brain, you know, when you're looking at the neurology of human beings, it it operates the same. It operates like a, a circuit. You know, electrical circuit within the company. So that is the key. If you don't do that, then you're just going to have, you know, mediocre performance. So it's when uh, we do that that it opens up this, the dam. The dam just opens up and it just gushes forth. I just can't tell you how important that is because, uh, I mean, I had one client who. You know, went through this process initially. That when I started doing this, I mean, they had a sixty percent increase in five months, and decided to write a case study to put in their their uh, newsletter. And they were a prominent company here in Houston, so that was a real uh, a really great thing. But if, if people don't look at what it is that's running the show, and it's a conversation, it's not the way people are behaving, but they're behaving out of that conversation. Does that make sense?
0: fascinating and just real quick what is the background that you have that sort of gets you to this place of understanding are you in psychology at all no, or I'm
1: not, a, I'm not a professional psychologist but however uh in fact the guy that wrote my uh forward to my book is harville Hendricks, and harville was uh is, started an organization called imago Relationships international i was on his board and he appeared on oprah 17 times and so He's collaborated with me on different things, written a powerful forward to this book. If people just read the forward, it would just knock their socks off. Uh, But he really uh, worked with me over the years. Uh, I've, I've done his work, I've done a number of other things. I've led a lot of workshops and where I've heard this hidden context from people. So when I do a workshop with just entrepreneur individuals or CEO individuals, just in a workshop, uh, they all have to come up with this, and when they do, it's this massive aha moment, but
0: And to answer and to answer my question, how long does that take about?
1: An hour and a half.
0: Okay. Love that. So, I have this thing called the Chair of Joy, if you see the, 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 yeah. the Chair of Joy behind yeah.
1: me. Yeah. It looks like I'm, a crown on you there.
0: Thank you. I really, really, really am in the same business that you are. Uh, You have a lot of content and programs that back up what it is that you're doing, which I really admire and appreciate, and I'm sure CEOs do as well. Um, I think that what you just described and what takes an hour and a half is very similar to people finding their joy. Once they feel valued, once they feel belong, uh, the sense of belonging and hope, even and and a sense of yep. connectedness, that therein lies joy, right? They get to go yes. home at night and they feel better about who they are as individuals. Would you agree with that?
1: I would absolutely agree with that. That uh, that you know the happiness factor, or the, which is not joy, but the joy factor, uh, feeling connected, you know, feeling this connection and value that they bring to the organization. When that's acknowledged, it's acknowledged through behavior of leadership and then bringing people in and allowing them to contribute. Most people have never had that experience. You know, I had it very early on in my career with certain employers that I, you know, that allowed me to make mistakes and didn't kill me over it, you know. I appreciate that.
0: So real quick, I would love to talk to you on the other side of giving you this very short uh, chair of joy experience that I take. I take my uh, for those of you that are listening for the first time. I just got back off of the West Coast tour. I went to Malibu, Irvine, Las Vegas, Las Vegas, uh, Denver, and South Dakota, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and I interviewed CEOs from all different types of organizations and just a plethora of amazing people. And I even had a young lady that was um, coming out of her homelessness and into getting a whole set of people by Dr. Jay Grossman. And she told her whole story about joy. It's was just it been fascinating to listen to people's stories when it comes to what gives them joy and what creates more joy in the world. So do you mind if I took you through that experience real quickly?
1: Say again, I'm sorry.
0: Would you mind if I took you through that experience real quickly? Oh, i love it. I'd love it. All right. Basically, what we about everybody kind of, you know, getting into that aha moment is very quick and easy. So here's what I would love everybody to do listening, including you, Dan, is just put your feet on the ground for just a second. And this is not an eye closed kind of ceremony. It's just something that just what we want people to get grounded a few more times a day and tap into this level of joy that we sometimes um, save till one day or someday or tomorrow or who knows when, if ever. Yeah. So, so one, so just put the feet on the ground and just pay attention to your actual feet. Like, are they, can you wiggle your toes? You know, what are the shoes that you're wearing today? And just stay there for 10 seconds. Wiggle your toes again if you get sidetracked and feel the concrete underneath. The floor is very stable, right? We always can count on it. Unless you live in an earthquake country, it's pretty much there for you all the time.
1: Yeah.
0: If someone can stay in their, their grounded place, their feet on the ground for just 10 seconds, they're meditating or they're in stillness. People have asked me all these years, like, I don't get meditating. I don't understand about how to quiet my mind or to get still and to take a deep breath. So that feet on the ground process is really good. The second part is just look around at your surroundings. Pay attention to what you really are looking at for a minute like is there pictures in your office is there you know some is there a puppy dog sitting over on the couch what's there for you dan
1: well i have an office i have a stand-up desk i am standing so when i look down at my feet i'm standing <laughs> uh i have a standing up desk that goes up and down uh, i usually have my dog harvey in here he's usually sleeping over here but i threw him out so he because when his mother comes in the door In in the house, he wants to go see her, so I let him out before. But I've got that. I've got you know. I've got my art, my Nieto art, uh, southwestern art, and you know, uh, all original art. Beautiful.
0: Beautiful. And I think many times CEOs included will sit in their uh, boardroom chair and often not have any moment of of recognition about what's around them or, you know, even stop to take a deep breath to look out the window. The next part is just to listen. So listening, listening, listening. Let's just take a minute and listen or a second. I I hear my husband in the other room doing something. He's talking to somebody. How about you?
1: I have got the quietest office you can imagine. I uh, I can hear some traffic noise way off in the distance.
0: Awesome. So, it, just in summary for everyone listening, if you can sit in your, by the way, do you have a chair of joy, Dan? If you were to sit down somewhere in your house that was just you and your chair, where would that be?
1: Well, in the living room. Every morning I get up and I get a you know cup of tea and uh, I uh, I sit there and, and uh, you'll laugh at me, but. I opened the weather channel up on my iPad. <laughs> I'm kind of a weather nut, so um, I think something that you just said that I really like is this getting present. I think it shifts the mindset from being uh, someone who objectifies, you know, treats people like they're not human beings to getting present to the humanness of the people in the room who are uh, very uh, interested in contributing. Uh, you know, people want to be contributing. They, in fact, people in, in, at a nonprofit, and I really discovered this with them, is that they had a hard time uh, raising money. Well, but their attitude was that they just wanted a check. You know, so they didn't let people really contribute other than a check. Well, that's just an objectification uh, of, of a magnitude that you know, hurt them. So a lot of the things that I discovered, I discovered from clients.
0: You know and right
1: expanded on so just like you i mean that was that's an incredible uh that's an incredible way to approach life That's what yeah you're just
0: there's a little bit more to it. So I just no. want just summarizing the fact that we put our feet on the ground. We we really opened up, looked around, heard. And, and to your point, we got vulnerable. Like there's a humanness to looking around. If we're in a room with 12 other of our coworkers and we're stopping to actually look around and see what people are feeling, experiencing, sensing, you know, their awkwardness or their calmness or their joy. I mean, there's a there's a huge array of things. But the next part is then after we get people calm and centered, which really just takes a minute or two, it doesn't have to, you know, it could be an hour, it could be a minute. It doesn't matter. It's just depends on what we're doing for the day. And so then, uh, Dan, if you could take it and everyone listening, please take a deep breath in. Ah, that felt good. All right. One more time. This time, I want you to tap into one of the most joyful memories that you can think of when everything was just ooey-gooey, juicy, loosey, and everything felt so joyful for you. And if you can tap into one and describe it to me, that would be phenomenal.
1: It's when I met my wife. I think people would laugh at me, but I met my wife at a Starbucks. But it was a joyous experience because she was... I was writing my book at the time. She listened to me talk about my book. You know. <laughs> <laughs> <So weaned it. laughs>
0: then what? She said, "Let's go on a date," or what was that? That that was interesting.
1: Then she called me and said, "Let's go get something to eat."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right.
1: I had right, to well, go get permission from Harvard to to do that. My <laughs> my my forward writer. <laughs> the next All day. Right.
0: I appreciate that that's that's uh, that sounds beautiful I'd love to meet her someday all right one more deep breath in close your eyes if you want and just take yourself back if maybe you're a young man but let's go to one more joyful moment when things just really were connected for you and you felt like you were just in the right place and doing the right things Tell me
1: So I was in, I lived in Minnesota at the time I grew up there until I was 30. And, uh, when I was a kid, I went to a camp, a YMCA camp Warren for a month at a time every year, and, uh, I really got myself, you know, like, I really had respect for the, for the camp director who was a great man, a great man. And he said one day to me, you know, Dan, you're a leader.
0: Have you ever dropped your phone on the floor on your face or in some other embarrassing place? Don't you wish there was something you could attach to your phone case that would help you hold your phone so you don't have to, or at least as much? Introducing Steady Straps, a comfortable, adjustable, strong, elastic strap with 100% Velcro brand closures that helps you hold your phone more securely without dropping it and use it easier and faster, especially one-handed. It's the only smartphone grip accessory without adhesives, and it's 100% wireless charging ready without having to remove or adjust it first. Check us out at SteadyStraps.com and order some today.
1: You I was like, I'm a leader? I, I just can't forget that, you know? That's just not a, a moment I'll ever forget.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And um, is that camp still around? I'm curious.
1: Camp Warren up in uh, near Evelick, Minnesota. It's still there? It's still there, yeah. It's just, you know, well, you live in Wisconsin, so, you know, you got great places around there.
0: Yeah. I was just curious if it was still there because it's fun to see things that are so profound for people to not go away. And especially camps when everybody's on their phone and not doing what they're supposed you know, not enjoying fresh air and nature. I appreciate yeah, that. We didn't, have, we didn't have phones
1: back then. <laughs> or computers. Or color TV.
0: Thank gosh. <laughs> All right. So let's just summarize then. So everyone, we put our feet on the ground. We took a deep breath in. We looked around. We listened. We heard um, things that were in the background. And And then we had Dan take two deep breaths and he came up with two memories. One was when he met his wife. Right. Phenomenal in Starbucks. And she was listening to him about his book, which she probably hears a lot to this to this day. And then secondly, being up in Camp Warren. Um, and just having a moment where someone acknowledged leadership. So if you could just let those two memories kind of go from your head to your toe, just let that vibration of joy increase all by itself without doing anything except, you know, tapping into two memories that are, by the way, free. This doesn't cost anything. Um, our bank of memories is always there. And then to, if you could give me one word to describe both of those uh, memories, what would, what would the one word, the essence of those two memories be, Dan?
1: um well it's more than one word but it's just it's getting yourself getting who you are and that that's the key it's like when you do my work first thing we have to do is you have to get who you are for other people and who i was for other people as a leader and who i was who i am for my wife you know who she is for me so, i
0: love that can we call that self No, huh can we call that self-awareness? Or do you have another word?
1: I like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a self-awareness. And um, that's one word, I
0: <laughs> OK, I appreciate that. All right, we are going on an adventure, you and me. And this is where I really want to tap into your expertise, based on building on what we just did, and then also um, your understanding of you think that what I'm getting is that self-aware is for you. When you are self-aware, you're joyful. And joyful is being self-aware. Would you agree? I would agree. So here we are on an airplane, you and me, and uh, we're getting off the ramp in LaGuardia and there's um, a couple thousand CEOs down there and they do not understand this whole thing that we've been talking about, this self-awareness, how this brings you joy ultimately and how you as a CEO, once you become self-aware, can really have a more profitable company, more productive. What would you say to all those CEOs about this topic of being self-aware?
1: Well, I would say to them that if if uh, if they could be more vulnerable to their people, be open and vulnerable, and self-aware again. Okay, so it it takes a self-awareness. It takes being understanding who you are for other people and the impact that you have on them, so that you can create a culture of uh, of people who are cooperative, co-creative uh, in their business. Um, and collaborative so you want people who want to contribute and want to participate with you and it's uh it's in that process that you build a company that you really really want it's it's not in what you do better because you know what you say and what you do in and of itself is insuff- insufficient to make a difference in the world it's who you are for other people and and that's the thing that's missing is connectedness with people and that means you can't objectify people. You have to create that relational value system, and then you can have people who are more effective because they love being there.
0: You are so passionate about that. I can feel. I can feel you. Like, like, how many doors do we have to knock on for people to hear us? Like, right? What do we have to do? And why is it that you're so passionate and wanting to do this for the for for not only CEOs, but I just. I know the ripple effect the teams the families the you know the communities that are affected by your work. Wow. Mm-hmm. who are you and why are you so passionate about this, Dan?
1: Why am I so passionate is um, in my companies we practice this. And it wasn't it was after I sold the companies and I started running into employees. They said to me, you know, working in the comp- in this company, in your company was the best experience I ever had in business.
0: So I had to look back
1: then and say well, what was it that they experienced that was so valuable to them it was really that connectedness it was the relationship it wasn't treating people like employees it was treating people like these people are stakeholders you know they've got something at stake too you know it's not just a paycheck it's really something that they uh that they need to be able to enjoy and if i'm the, if i'm in the way they're not going to enjoy it so i saw i want other people to have that you know I,
0: I'm curious, I'm curious, what, what ignited you to move out of the way? Because uh, there's a lot of ego involved in being a CEO and like, this is my team and this is my stuff and this is my sales. And, you know, how do you, how do you get yourself out of that, um, out of that mindset and into we are phenomenal?
1: Well, there's a book I have out in the living room called uh, How the Mighty Fail, And it's really about hubris. Can't remember who wrote that book. I should I should remember that. But it's it's how the mighty fail, and uh, it really is. It's really hubris that really contributes that. And I know uh, at one time I wasn't quite uh, that savvy about things, and I remember getting upset with employees and some two employees. One was a consultant, and one was an employee, and I was mad, and I threw a pencil against the wall. And uh, I shortly after that, I talked to my dad, who was an amazing entrepreneur, amazing guy. And uh, he said, well, what are you doing that for? I mean, wh- what's what's going on with you that you would do that? And I had, I mean, I remembered it vividly to this day, who it was, where it was. I can picture it. And it stayed with me. And I said, I'm not going to be that person. That's, that doesn't work. And uh, it doesn't make people love to be in my presence and it doesn't make people love to, you know, love to work with me. And uh, it's a collaboration. It has to be collaborative. It has to be co-created. You know, there has to be cooperation. Those are the three elements of an organization that really performs well. And you've got to find a way to get that done. And so, finding out what's in the way first is, is the first ingredient. If you don't do that, if you don't do your mindset work, people aren't going to get who they are, and they're not going to feel like they're part of it. So,
0: well, that's um, that's there's a lot of wisdom in there. And uh, my next question is about your legacy. If, and it feel like you've already said it, but if you could, you know, have one or two sentences be left about you uh, one day, what might that
1: be? Well, I'm, I probably will never retire because I'm having too much fun. Uh, my legacy would be the, the people who I've touched and who have been uh, contributed to by me and who have contributed to me and have been allowed to contribute to me. I mean, I have really good friends. And I think the reason I have really good friends is because I'm a really good friend. And I, what you see is what you get. You know, I don't pull. You know, I just sometimes that probably doesn't work in my favor, but <laughs> you know, it gives people angst uh, who are close to me. But uh, they, you know, they know, you know, what you see is what you get, and I tell it straight. And if I get a CEO in front of me who's acting like a, you know, the south end of a horse going north, uh, then uh, I'm I don't hold back. And I, I think that my legacy would be, I tell the truth about things, about what's really so. I love that. I, that's, a good answer.
0: that's a really good <laughs> answer. I love that. I love doing are that. you a grandma? Yeah. Yeah. So, how many? Two. Nice. Two. Congratulations. I'm a grandma I too.
1: But... I didn't do that.
0: <laughs> I'm a grandma to one, but I don't let them call me grandma. So my, I'm Lolly and my husband is Pop. So we are Lolly and Pop. And so Lolly. that way... It I can can avoid the grandma scenario.
1: That's cool. That's (laughs) very cool.
0: So just to summarize here just a little bit, um, the purpose of what we're doing, obviously, is to get people to sit in their chair of joy often. So did you feel, would you agree that your vibration raised a little bit while we talked about and went through the process?
1: Absolutely. And we want to be here more.
0: Would it be possible, do you think, to go over to that little chair? I'm going to use my walking fingers. Walk over to your chair of joy a couple of times a day, maybe even three times, morning, noon, and evening, and do that scenario. Do you think that that would be possible?
1: It probably would be really good for me if I did that more often. If I sat down and opened my iPad and did some reading, and instead of trying to muster through uh, things that I need to be done and need to be done now um,
0: so, so just so you know we didn't we didn't open our ipad or do any reading all we did was sat down took some deep breaths feet on the ground and had two joyful memories very simple
1: cool. yeah i could do that
0: yeah super simple that. even if it's for a minute i'm asking for three minutes a day from everyone i speak to is like and then my question to you as a ce as a ceo or speaking to us what if ceos did that three times a day what do you think is possible
1: well, I think they could actually uh, probably get in touch with themselves and begin to
0: get who they get are. Run on the show,
1: right? Like maybe they could reflect on how they're being with other people, especially the people that are who are accountable to them and who they have a responsibility to be accountable to as well. So we haven't talked about any of that, but there's a tremendous amount of work that I do in promise-based management, in creating accountability by managing, instead of managing people, managing promises. And uh, if you look at the company that did the 60% in five months, you'd see that what they were doing, what I taught them to do was to manage the promises for action that they took. And then we managed it by scoring those promises and giving feedback so that people could see their progress, that it's when you make a promise to close a gap that you can create a future and if you look at the the if you look at the p l for example that's a lagging indicator a promise to take action is a leading indicator you, you can know where your company's going if you know what the, the actual promises are to take action by every single person who needs to who needs to uh take that action you know there's a lot of actions that need to be taken but people tend to have meetings about them and then They come back to the next meeting and nothing's been done.
0: How big are the companies do you work with? Are you finding change in all organizations, all sizes?
1: I like to stay in the size. I like to stay in the size that is uh, two to 10 million. And then, you know, create a, you know, a huge jump in in performance. You know, uh, the one that one of them that went on the Inc 5000 went from a million to, Thirteen million, I think it was. So.
0: And do you have a team? Do you work with a team?
1: No, I don't. I'm 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 solo. Uh, So do you
0: work directly with HR departments, or do you get do you have a liaison, or or are you just going in and doing all the uh, teaching and coaching yourself?
1: I am doing it all myself, and uh, I think that in the future I will start training other consultants in this process in understanding what it takes to produce the kind of results that their clients really want by not skipping over this one piece especially and by addressing what's missing in the organization that if it wasn't missing they would uh, they would achieve these seemingly impossible results that they're really desiring to have i mean who doesn't want to be on the Inc. 5000 right some people don't and i'll tell you that some people don't want to work that hard but the ones that do can really produce great results
0: Awesome. My last question, or I have two more questions, but one more is what's your biggest takeaway from today, Dan?
1: Well, I, I appreciate you know, I appreciate doing a podcast because I'm talking to you, but I know I'm talking to a lot of people out there. I hope I'm making an impact on, on them. I hope I can contribute to them. Um, uh, well, here's the thing. Most podcasts don't uh, interact like this. So that's really kind of an interesting approach for me like okay take what i'm doing and then map it onto, a, you know another way of looking at achieving that like there's not like mine and then there's yours there's ours and you know uh, you can contribute to mine and I, I thought well hey what if i had people just stop and listen you know to themselves for three minutes
0: what if you had a chair of joy in your in your
1: yeah. What if, I, what if everybody had a shared share joy, right? That is and our what goal. If everybody knew what was holding them back. The conversation, and they go together. They don't. They're not mine and yours. They're ours. So well I appreciate you sharing that all with me.
0: Well said. And lastly, um, just from your perspective, and uh, I want you to talk to the eighty percent that are going. All right kind of hear what they're saying. I I sort of get it. I know that I probably could or should do something differently. But, you know, I'm already jam-packed. You know, what what in the world? How do I even get started with something like this? What would you say to them?
1: Well, uh, I would really ask them, what's the conversation in your head? What's the conversation you're operating off of that has you so jammed up that you can't see, take a moment to understand what it is that's running the show? And and that's working in in your business okay everybody work in their business it's taking the time out to work on your business and uh to work on your business it starts with you and not everybody wants to do that that's fine but the people who really want to find a new paradigm a new way of looking at the world a new new perspective. In a a lot of ways, I'm a perspectivist. I'm doing all this to create a new perspective so they can see something in the world that they can make a difference with. And that's what it's about. Otherwise, why be in the business?
0: Absolutely. I agree. I, um, I love that you said that uh, we it's our stuff and not yours and mine. And I just love that if everybody worked together, what's really possible? So in summary, I just want to say at Joy Lee, we use a unique approach to problem solving by having an experience in the chair of joy, which Dan just went through, and I'm very grateful for him taking the time to do that. It You're is welcome. in the chair of joy that we have watched people transform scarcity into abundance, explore boundless solutions, and move from surviving to thriving. And as much as it is about the chair, it's not at all about the chair. It's about the vibrancy that you bring to it. So, Dan, I want to thank you for bringing so much vibrancy to our podcast today. I very much appreciate you. And um, please stick around and uh, we'll talk about some details here. But thank you for being here. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you very much. It's fun.
0: This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC.